Hello and welcome to Touchline. My name is Mark Cameron. In the studio with me tonight is a guest from Durban Collegians under 20 head coach Vernon Lombard. Hi Vernon. Hi Mark, thank you for having me in studio tonight. Always a pleasure, always a pleasure having people from clubs that compete in Premier Division and in KZN as well, so welcome. Hopefully you'll enjoy your, your stint in studio. Um, tonight we will touch on, if we, if we don't run out of time, we will touch on the final round of the Autumn Internationals, the men's final world rankings for 2021, foreign-born players representing their adopted countries in the Autumn Internationals this uh, past month, the new rule passed by World Rugby with regards to players of birth playing for other countries and then possibly playing for their own country again at a later stage, the restart of the United Rugby Championships, and then the excited news that uh, the Sharks announced earlier this week with regards to their relationship with uh, Saracens. Before we continue, I'd just like to take this opportunity to um, convey our condolences to Yanni Duplessis and his family for the sad loss of their little one. Um, it's always tragic news that, uh, obviously being a rugby man, it's a bit more personal. Um, and we, we convey our condolences and may the little one rest in peace. Um, Bernan, this past weekend, obviously, uh, was the conclusion of the Autumn Internationals. Um, obviously, the Southern Hemisphere playing against the North over the last month or so. What was, what was interesting this, this week is that all the home nations won their games, not one uh, international one away from home. Um, we had Scotland 29 versus Japan 20, Italy winning their game against Uruguay 17-10, England and South Africa as we know 27-26 to England, Wales beating Australia 29-28, France, I'll say it again, France 40, New Zealand 25, and then obviously Ireland uh, beating Argentina 53-7. If we can just start quickly with, uh, with the Scotland game, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but if we can quickly go to the Scotland game, um, and more so from a South African point of view, there's obviously many South Africans that, that play for, for Scotland. This weekend in particular, home, homeboy in Dylan Richardson made his, uh, made his debut for Scotland. Um, firstly, let's go that route. Your take on that? Yeah, no, I met Dylan a couple of years back when he was uh, joining us at... Uh, Crusaders Rugby Club, and um, he played a couple of matches for us. We coached together back then, and um, I remember him as a very outstanding young man and a very talented young man, and seeing him coming through the ranks now the couple of past years, following him, especially with the junior ranks now, the Sharks, seeing him coming through into the senior ranks, it's fantastic seeing the youngster getting the opportunity now to play international rugby. Yeah, and it's sad from a South African point of view um, that we're losing all these talented players, but we've got so much talent ourselves, and, and in the loose forward sphere, um, there's, there's many of them. But, um, you know, Dylan, Dylan is still young. I think he's only 22 now. So his role within the Scottish setup, I think, will, will be there for quite a while. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely going to grow. I mean, being a young, either loose forward or a, a hooker, I mean, going forward for him, he's got, he's got his entire future now going for him now in Scotland. And, yeah, I think we got so much talent, especially young talent coming through. Uh, for them to go over there to the international countries and play, I think that's a, 
it's a good step in direct, direct direction for them. So in our past shows, um, what we also alluded to was the fact that um, Edward Kutsia and Gregory Townsend and them have an agreement where Dylan can play for Scotland, but he comes back to South Africa to play for the Sharks. So at least from a Sharks perspective, we, we didn't lose him. Um, and no, and I think, you know, with many of these guys that play overseas coming back to South Africa, it all bodes well for the Sharks because they can tap into his international experience that he's picked up that side too. Yeah, especially with Northern Hemisphere rugby. I mean, that experience, bringing it back down here, it's got to be fantastic for the Sharks setup and the knowledge that he brings with. Yeah. For, especially for this um, uh, tournament that we are currently playing in. Uh, for the guys bringing that amount of knowledge back into the shark setup is just a bonus and a positive. Yeah. No, I'm quite excited, and we'll touch on the United Rugby Championships a little later. Um, then, quickly, if we can go to the England South African game. Obviously, England beating South Africa 20, 27 26. There was a lot of talk in the week about South Africa focusing on certain things. Eddie Jones himself was very vocal. Um, also from a forwards perspective, and our forwards are going to dominate. Where do you think it went wrong? Personally, my personal view, um, I think if, if we look at the defence that we had, um, certain aspects we were rushing our defence too much, opening up gaps. And um, two of the tries that England scored came very easily if you look at the gaps that we opened up. It was a specific type of rush defence where certain players were out of position and you could just see the holes opening up for them. Um, also, maybe at the end of the day, if you look long tour, guys are tired, missing their families, that can also play a mental issue, and all those things thrown into one bucket, and also a couple of things that didn't go our way. Um, looking at the match again, there was a couple of calls from the referee that I didn't agree with, especially, I don't know, maybe there's some ref out there who can tell me I'm wrong, but the Siak Lisi yellow card, at the end, I didn't completely agree with him, uh, with the ref on that. If you look at the way that Sia went up, he maybe wasn't as high as the player, but his eyes and his hands and his entire body tone showed that he was going for the ball and not the player. Eventually ended up a red card and ended up penalty for them. That's three points for them. But yeah, like I say, certain aspects didn't go our way. I don't think we'd had a bad tour, but yeah, towards the end, I think it was just a lot of elements coming into place that uh, led to us not getting the win on this one. Do you think that we might have been a little bit overconfident going into that game? That's also a big possibility. I mean, the guys, uh, I heard on the radio the other day, if I'm not wrong, the stats prove that the Sharks, oh, the Sharks, the Box lost five games uh, this season. Um, and if you look at the ones that we won, even in the Four Nations, uh, our, when we lost against Australia, the two matches, um, I was confident that we were aiming to beat the All Blacks, especially mm. uh, in the 100th test, which we lost, but then we won the next one. Mm. Um, I think that was our main focus, was to play against the All Blacks. So we got the win against the All Blacks, and, but then also these small losses that we shouldn't have had. But, yeah, long season, and I think it ended up, uh, yeah, with a one-point difference at the end. Just quickly, if you refer to the try scored in the England game, the one specific one, and I can't remember, I think it was the second try, um, the first one in the second half, um, where the nine got the inside pass and obviously went through to score on the, on the pulse. Um, that specific one, there's a few things that went wrong there from a, from a setup point of view. And, and, and I think 
if you have to blame someone, the main culprit there was, in all probability, Damien de Allende, because yeah. he came in towards Elton, and that's where they went through. But if you analyse that, and you see off the back of the line-out where the players had to, had to run, and I think um, Dwayne Vermeulen, I speak under correction, was one of them, and those players couldn't get there because the referee was in their way. Um, and I think... The way we, we play, obviously, you have to trust your inside and outside man. But out of the corner of the eye, in all probability, they saw there was space, hence the fact that, yeah. that the lender probably came in. And then the English obviously exploited that. Um, having said that, though, the whole game you could see, their game plan, for, especially in the first half, was based on trying to beat us on the outside. And, I mean, they did that very well in the beginning. So, with that... Do you think our our defensive line or our defensive pattern is is flawed and it's easy to expose? At this moment, mm. no, I don't think it's uh, flawed. I might think yeah, yeah, it needs a little bit of uh, adjustment. Um, looking at the way it was run in the England game, yes, there was a lot of mistakes. The guys weren't always in place. There was a lot of aspects that played its role in that game and in that in that structure. But if we go back a little bit more, you can see the structure was actually solid in a lot of other games. I just think it just comes back to the mental factor. Long tour, guys focus on not any the, not there anymore. They can't wait to get on the plane, get back to their families and friends. Um, that does play a, a massive role. It's not an excuse to go and lose an international match. Obviously not. You're still a professional. You're still expected to do a job, all of that. But I do think at the end of the day, um, that does play a small role. And I think if you look at the whole game, we weren't at our best. Attack or defense, the box weren't at their best. We made a lot of mistakes. Um, if you go take that box team and you put them, that same box team, and you take them back to the beginning of the season, we wouldn't have made those small mistakes because we were fresh, we were ready, we wanted to play. And it's like I say, I think it's just a long tour, long season, away family. I mean, the other day I heard the box were away for something like in the middle of the year, they were away from their families for five weeks, five, six weeks, and uh, all for the Four Nations Tour. I mean, for any human being, that's a long time being away from yeah. your wife, your kids, or anybody. We, we spoke about that in previous, in previous episodes where we said that this year, South Africa was the team with the most bubbles. I think yeah. In total, I think it came to five months in total that we were in bubbles. So it does, it does definitely add its start. Just a, a closing question on the England-South African game, but more South Africa. Do you think that we learned anything from this tour? And do you think we've done enough to start preparing us for the World Cup? I think in tours like this, you always learn something. Um, but I think that we can take a lot away from it. And uh, Jokni Narba can take a lot away from this. And start prepping up with Rasi, hopefully. Um, after the 18 Cup. months, 18 months. months. <laughs> um, and then hopefully start prepping for the World Cup. I think it's um, proper time now to start for that. Um, that's my personal view. Uh, and see how they can get their planning done. Because I think it's a lot of uh, youngsters still going to come put up their hands for that a lot of the spots. Do you, think, do you think, in closing on this one, do you think we're on the right path? I think we're on the right path. Uh, I think the right people are in the right places. A lot of people won't, might not agree with me, and that's completely their, their point of view, and that's yeah. fine. That's why we're here. That's and, a neutral um, discussion. And um, I just think uh, with 
in whose hands we are now, the Springbok team as a whole, we will be fine. We're going to either put up a massive challenge or defend the title. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I think uh, attitudes are good. Yeah. Um, players play for each other. They play for the badge. I think Rossi, and I bring Ninaba in now, but Rossi, when he came back, he reinstalled the belief of the Springbok and the values and so forth. So yeah. I think that portion of that we're doing well. Then just jumping quickly, and just a quick one, Wales, Australia, 29, 28 to Australia. Um, Australia getting a, a red card within the first, I think it was eight minutes of the game or 12 minutes of the game. Um, then then Wales obviously ran away with it and Australia came back, so it speaks, speaks volumes from them. But I want to ask with regards to that is, let's not talk about the game, let's talk about Dave Rennie and his vocal opinion with regards to officiating and refereeing. All I want to ask is, Rassi Erasmus was hauled over the coals. Yeah. Um, there's already questions as to why World Rugby hasn't said anything, but if you go back to the Rassi Erasmus saga, it was also two weeks or so before they started mm. talking, so it's only been a few days. Do you think anything is going to happen? I don't think anything will happen to Dave Rennie. Uh, if, if something's going to happen, it will maybe be a slap on the wrist. But nothing as severe as Rossi's. But, I mean, everybody always knows IRB always looks at us a little bit closer than the others. So so asking that question then, as a coach, and obviously you coach at, at, at uh, Durban Collegians under 20s, as a coach, how do you express yourself if you can't do it that way? How do you go? <laughs> <laughs> Talk nicely now. <laughs> you, you, that was a nervous laugh. You go <laughs> after the match. You go to the pub and have a beer. <laughs> no, I don't. That's that's something I think each coach just handles on his own. Eh? Um, myself, I've verbally talked to other individuals who agree with me on certain aspects after referee performance in certain manners, but uh, that's just me. Um, but yeah, on that level. That international level, I think it's uh, it's difficult. We're rugby men, we're rugby coaches, there's rugby players, rugby fans. It's an emotional game. One mistake from an individual can lead to so many aspects. <clears throat> I mean, just a small example is the, and this is now a little bit different off topic, but the Bafana Bafana Ghana game. The ref made a bad decision. That cost that possibly cost Bafana Bafana a World Cup spot. Correct. So, yeah, I understand Dave Rennie's how can you put this in brackets, outburst? But is, if so, is something going to happen to him? No, I don't think something will. So just, in, in, you don't need to answer this one, but um, in making a statement as whoever it is, and you're raising probably correct concerns, right, from a referee's point of view, because you've got, you've got 30 players that take the field. One person conducting hopefully a nice spectacle, but an outcome of a game. Right? Yes. It's not always the referee that influences the game. It's the players that need to stick within the laws of the game and so forth. Yeah, of course. The problem herein lies, and this is, a, this is a talking point, is coaches lose their positions because of negative results. Yes. Players get dropped because of complete infringements, yes. and that costs them. Referees, so far nothing happens. Right, we'll leave it there. <laughs> so, going on to, to the France-New Zealand game. Um, 
we were fortunate enough uh, a few months ago to have Flock Solier in the studio, and he spoke passionately about the French and where they're going and what's going to happen, and they're building for the 2023 World Cup. And a week or two ago, he was starting to punt France, New Zealand. That's their test. That's their test. What do you take out of Saturday's game? That the French is one day on, one day off. Okay. If we can just stop there. If we go back 10 years, okay, I could agree with you. Yeah. All right. If you look at where we are now or where the French are now, do you think that's still the case? No, I think the French are much more professional, much more flair, if you want to put it in the word. But the French are still a team. They might, but they are much more professional. They are playing much more intense rugby. But if we take the entire autumn series, if you look at it as such, all the teams that play from the Northern Hemisphere, go back 10 years, go back 15 years, we will all have sat around a table and said, okay, South Africa's playing Ireland, it's an easy game for us. Um, Australia's playing Wales, it's an easy game for them. New Zealand playing France, it's an easy game. Come forward 10, 15 years where the game has become much more intense, much more professional, it's not the case anymore. And that's the and that's led to rugby becoming so much more enjoyable. You can't you can't sit anymore and say it's going to be a given. And that's and the French actually proved it on the weekend. Um, when watching the match, uh, when the French were smashing the All Blacks in the 33rd minute, they scored. They were leading. I think it was 24-6. And then literally 25 minutes 25 minutes later, mm. the All Blacks came back and it was 27-25. Mm. And then. A couple of things here and there just went France's way, and they ran away with it. Forty twenty-five. I think that's the biggest defeat. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, a record defeat against ever had against France. Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. And not only that, that's the second Northern Hemisphere Test loss in a row for the All Blacks. Yeah. The last time that happened, I think, was 20, 20, 2002 Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Um, having said that, um, this was the first time uh, since two thousand and two that all three major leading South African teams were beaten in the November Test Series. First time since 2002 that all three of them lost. So, and, and 100%, well done, well done to the Northern, Northern no, definitely, Hemisphere. Definitely. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to see. I mean, it, Ireland, the week before that against New Zealand, were phenomenal as well. Oh, no, you know, so, and this past weekend, they, they beat Argentina 53-7. So there's, there's good things happening there. It just shows you where it's going at the moment. Um, I remember when I was in the UK, rugby was, it was professional. It was a professional setup and everything, but it wasn't as professional as yeah. today. And that's fantastic to see. And that just makes the game so much more enjoyable. I mean, when the, I was phoning up my friend on Saturday last week and saying, listen, yeah, All Blacks is going to smash the Irish. Oh. And well, I'm glad I was proved wrong. I'm also glad. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, having said that, um, you know, and, and, and well done well done to all of them. Um, we all know, however, though, that, um, you know, everyone is talking, watch France, and I agree with that, watch them in, in their home. I mean, they, their spectators were fanatic on Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, the French, if they if they get a sniff and the fans are behind them, they, they I think they could just be the, the team to watch. But having said that, Ireland has played well. Wales are there and there about. England, England has done well. I mean, they whipped the Wallabies a week prior to us. Yeah. Then they beat us. So, I mean, they're on the right track. 
Um, they've got a lot of youngsters coming through. So we, we're hoping on that. So speaking about that, um, during the Autumn Nations now, the world number one, which remains the, the world champions, luckily, and world number two moved up and down, up and down, so um, in rankings. So on Saturday, South Africa had to beat, had to beat England to yeah. stay world number one. Um, but obviously it didn't happen. Hence, we say thank you to Flocky and, and his French <laughs> side for beating New Zealand. <laughs> so currently, South Africa are world, world number one. Um, on 90.61 points, and then New Zealand following them on 88.75. What is interesting here, it's the, it's the first time in I don't know how many years that South Africa has actually ended the season as world number one. But we have now gone three years, three consecutive years as world number one. Um, that hasn't happened in, in many a year. Um, and I think we spoke about it earlier, the self-belief in the, in the team and um, where they want to go and their vision and whatever, that speaks volumes for where we want to go at the end of the day. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's fantastic to see that we ended up again number one. Um, I have to be honest, I was very, how can I say, on my nerves on the weekend when we lost now. Yeah, yeah. Because now you know if New Zealand wins, then they go back to number one and we go to number two. Yeah, sadly so. Yeah, so it was, it was on the one side, I mean... I have to be honest, any rugby guy loves the French when they're playing fantastic rugby, and when they play fantastic rugby, it's exceptional. Yeah. It's exceptional rugby. I mean, the one try, well, they nearly scored. It's one Nintemak. Yeah, I saw that on try line, just ran. They nearly scored. So, so having said this now, so there's been a, there's been a little bit of movement in the, in the world rankings over the last fortnight or so. So currently South Africa's number one, New Zealand number two, so those two positions stayed the same. England... Uh, stayed the same on three, uh, and so did Ireland on four. So the movement here, obviously, was France that moved up from sixth to fifth position, and then Australia dropping down to, to sixth position, um, and then Wales, obviously, going down to ninth position. So there's there's a lot of movement there, and, and with Australia, I think that's the worst position they've been in for many years, and, you know, there's now, there's now a lot of talk about Dave Rennie, but... Let's go to New Zealand quickly in, in ending this. Um, who wants to be Ian Forster? Because he's lost three games in the whole, in the whole year. Yes, be it as it may now, they played Italy and Tonga and USA, mm. understand it. But three games. One against a very, very good Irish side. Yeah. One against, on Saturday, a very good French side and South Africa. And the public is asking for his head. That is just... <laughs> the all black public that's that's all black people that's uh, they love their rugby so they're so passionate um i've watched a couple of documentaries about world cups and how the new zealand people handle that time of the year a world cup year and the people literally go on a shutdown if new zealand loses mm -hmm. it's that's their number one sport that's their lives they want to be number one they want to win the world cup and that's the way they are. It's it's fantastic to see. I just love those people. They're such grounded, such humble, such passionate people. Um, but now I have to agree. I also don't want to be in these boots. Yeah, no, unfortunately. So I think South Africa is very close to that. Um, if we don't do well, they want Jacques Ninaba to step down and he's the wrong person. True. And then they bring <laughs> Rassi in. And, you know, so having said that, if you look at the, the Autumn Nations Cup now, the foreign-born players that were part of the squads of those teams that participated in that. Right. Scotland had 46.3% of their players are not Scottish, right? born. Right? 
Japan 37.1, Italy 29.7, Australia 29.4, England 27.7, Ireland 26.1, Wales 24.3, France 12.9, New Zealand 12.5, then you have South Africa and Argentina with zero. <laughs> so that, that tells you that all those countries rely quite heavily on foreign players that obviously have roots in their specific countries. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that World Rugby in this week has, just, has announced a new rule that they passed, whereas in the past, um, if you played for a specific country, regardless of whether it's a country of your birth or not, um, you won't be able to play test match for your birth country. So they've now changed it, and they have now... Uh, amended the rule to say, right, so if you play Israel Folau as a, as a prime example, so Israel Folau played many a test for, for the Wallabies. Um, obviously, the tweets and whatever got him into a bit of trouble, and Australia said, right, no more. Now, this month, I think it is, or in December, his three years are up, and the new law states that if you play for your adopted country and you stop playing test match rugby for three years, you can now then play for your country of birth. Tonga is his country of birth. They've already made contact with him. He's a prime example. Come January, he's eligible to play for, for his country of birth. How will that influence rugby worldwide? I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, my personal view and opinion on that is um, I, I'm also just still busy studying the new uh, rule and all that to get a better understanding of it. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think in the long run that it will be maybe on the Pacific Islander side, maybe with the Tonga and the Samoans, Australians and New Zealand side. Yeah. I think if we look at the foreign-based player percentage, um, if you look at the 46 from Scotland, yes, there's a lot of South Africans, but there's also a lot of Australian, New Zealanders and all that um, youngsters coming through. I mean, at the end of the day, it's also about money playing for the club up in the north, making the pounds and the euros. But on the question based on, the, on this uh, new rule, um, I'm not 100% sure how, how it will affect. It's, I think it's something that we'll have to wait and see if that happens. Because at the end of the day, the rule does state, the very first line on it says that the player must stand down from international rugby for 36 months. That's three years. Yeah, I, I, my, my personal take on it is, if you look at the South Sea Islanders, you're talking Tonga and Fiji mm. and, and those. Um, many of their players play in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Um, they go to school there and so on and so forth. And it has happened many a times that they play a good couple of tests for the Wallabies, even France for that matter, and then they fall out of favour. And then they're still young. They might be 25, 26, and they don't play test match rugby again. Now they turn 28, 29. They've still got three, four, five years left of yeah in their um, country of birth. So I think those smaller, if I can put it that like that, those smaller nations will, I personally believe, will definitely benefit because you must also understand, similar to what's happening in the world now, like South Africa, our players go and play overseas, they earn euros and US dollars or whatever, then they can play for South Africa in any case. Yeah. Um, so I think, and they're not the only ones. I look at, I look at teams and, and we'll speak to him in, in the near future as well, um, Brendan Dawson, the head coach of, of Zimbabwe, 
and Namibia, for argument's sake, I look at all those, they have many players that play outside of Zimbabwe and Namibia in South Africa and worldwide. So if they get selected there and all of a sudden they're not good enough anymore to play for a for a top-quality country like Australia or New Zealand or whatever, even for South Africa, I mean, they could come and play for South Africa because they're right here in Africa. Yeah. Um, and then they fall back on the, on the country of birth. I think those countries can only benefit from it. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see where it comes from, uh, where it goes, uh, especially the smaller countries, if you want to call it like that. I mean, explaining it the way you just did now. I mean, if you think about it, how many, how many good international All Blacks and New Zealanders come from Tonga and Samoa? Correct. I mean, at the end of the day, if a player can't play for a country anymore, he's adopted a country and he's still 26, 27. Yeah. I mean, that's going to mean he goes back to Tonga or Samoa. That's going to strengthen their rugby incredibly. Yeah. And by, by saying that, I mean, it doesn't mean he has to move back to his country. He can still play in Europe and yeah. still get paid in pounds or wherever, wherever they play it for just, that. So. It'll strengthen that amount of uh, country rugby so, so much. So do you think that was a good call? Oh, um, I think in, in, that, in that context, definitely a good call. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what other people say because that just means at the end of the day, now those countries are going to become also more competitive. Yeah. 100%. And it's not going to be a situation anymore where uh, Australia plays against Tonga. Now it's going to be a 76-10 win. Yeah. It's going to be maybe a lot less. Correct. And especially with the, not only because they're still young, but the experience that they pick up at a young age Correct. in uh, countries like New Zealand and Australia. 100%. Look, I obviously understand why the law was put in, in initially. I mean, we had John Allen, and happy birthday to John Allen. It's his birthday. Um, he played for, for Scotland and for South Africa. We had Tian Strauss that played for Australia and South Africa before these laws came in. Mm. Um, so I think it's good. You know, we, we lose so many so many players out of South Africa to go and play in the in the north. Um, to get them back at some stage, there's there's Franz Stein. Yeah. I mean, look how well he's played. I mean, he could have played overseas for another country and come back to South Africa, and we would still have benefited. Anyhow, moving on uh, to the United Rugby Championships that uh, starts again this coming weekend. Um, just on that quickly, your top top five sides as it stands after after five rounds is uh, Leinster, Ulster, Munster, Edinburgh, and Ospreys. And I'm smiling because um, the bottom five from the bottom up, 16, 15 up, is Zebra, Bulls, Sharks, Lions, Stormers, um, and those are those are our boys that are right at the bottom. Um, if we if we have a look at the the start of the championship now again. Obviously, our four unions are playing at home. Um, this Saturday specifically, the Stormers played at home against Zebra. Um, the Sharks play Scarlets. The Bulls have a tough one. They play Munster. And then on Sunday, um, the Lions play Cardiff Blues. Do you think we would have learned anything from the first four Five games up there, obviously each team having won one. Well, we've only played four rounds, um, having each won one. And then coming back to South Africa, do you think we'll be a different uh, different franchises? Uh, I definitely think home, home field advantage will play a massive uh, role. Uh, I know we got the context of there's not only 2,000 supporters allowed now into stadiums. Um, but I think being at home uh, this time of the year, we'll have that mental Advantage, give that mental advantage to our teams. I mean, if I think about the Stormers playing Zebra, 
my money will be definitely be on Stormers in that game. Um, and then if you look at the Sharks versus Scarlets, I think that's going to be a hard game for the Sharks. Um, Scarlets is not a team to look down upon. They, they're, very, they're a good quality side. Um, but being at home and with the players back after overseas uh, international duty, I just saw now on the Sharks' Instagram page, all the guys are back in it. They're training, they're back in it. Hopefully the bodies are, are healthy and they're good to go. Um, I think we'll give them a massive go, hopefully win the game. And then... So where's your bet on the Sharks? The Sharks, definitely, for the weekend. Okay. And then um, Bulls Monster. That's, that's, that, that's a hard one to answer. Not because the Bulls are bad, but because Munster and Bulls are both good. Um, but playing at Fort Loftus? Yeah, I think that's a difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a difficult one. Come on, but put I'll, it out there. <laughs> I'll, give a, I'll give the Bulls that one. Sure. Not okay. by many, but by, <laughs> maybe by one or two. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll say because Munster's tired of traveling. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'll just give that excuse. Okay. And then on the Lions and the Cardiff uh, game, definitely the Lions. Um, I think they're going to be playing for somebody. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think there will be some something in it. Obviously, there's, yeah. there's some pride and family member and so forth. So I hear you. Um, having said that, though, Cardiff Blues aren't, aren't a bad side. No, not at all. Um, all these touring sides that are, that are coming to South Africa are in their own right good. I do, however, think that the setup at the different unions and weather conditions and all of that is obviously different to the north. So um, that was the song that we sang while we were up there. <laughs> so uh, let's let's see what happens, you know. And, and if I can just go, I, th I, I think I agree with you, Stormers Zebra. I, I would think that the Stormers would win. Scarlets and the Sharks will, will be a tough one. Um, you know, you can't base anything on the Sharks' performance last weekend yeah. against the Cheetahs. All our box are back, and I think there's nine of them in total. Whether all nine of them are going to feature, who knows? Um, look, there's some excited, exciting youngsters like the Fussies and so forth that haven't played, so he's really good. Yeah, and he's quality. Um, you know, and then the Bulls, Munster, and I agree with you, and, and my, my heart says the Bulls, but um, yeah, when I was in Ireland a few years ago, we... We went to Thomond Park and we watched Munster play. Uh, yes, they had Arno Boeta and all those guys in. That's now playing against them on on Saturday, um, but they are a quality outfit. You know, then you then you still have Johan van Graan, that's an ex-bull himself coach, so he knows the setup, he knows the conditions. Um, but you've got two world-class coaches coming up against each other there, and two world-class teams. Yes, so um, may may the South African teams this this time around. Um, do it for us, and and let's hope we we will get that one that one done. Um, just before I I do go to the, the exciting news from a sharks perspective, um, I also just want to say that that Munster are obviously coming to South Africa. Munster is coming to South Africa with uh, Stephen Larkham as their assistant coach. He has just announced he has resigned or not going to renew his contract with Munster. He's going back to the Brumbies. He's been appointed the head coach at, at the Brumbies. Um, good luck to him uh, at the Brumbies. Uh, obviously, if you look at his pedigree and that, he's, he's, he's a quality coach. He Definitely. coached Wallabies before himself. Yeah. So they will gain. And whatever Johan Frankron is going to do for his replacement, 
would like to see because to replace him with a quality international backline coach. Yeah, it's going to um, be difficult. Let's see. And maybe, who knows, maybe he takes someone from the Bulls this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, then in closing, um, the Sharks announced this week, excitingly, that uh, next year, January, on the 15th of January, the Sharks will be travelling to London to play, as they call it, the two biggest clubs in world rugby will be playing against each other. The Sharks franchise against uh, against Saracens. Um, Saracens is, is deeply rooted with South Africans, Francois Pinar and Brendan Fenter, and they're mm. all there, obviously, and, and some quality players over the years um, that, that played for them. Um, your take on something like that, we tried that a few years ago and it obviously dwindled out. But uh, your take on that, and if it can work and we can do this annual thing? Yeah, I actually uh, remembered them playing in 2014. Um, uh, the Sharks lost that game 23-15, but it was a game that could have gone both ways. Um, but I think this can actually become a very exciting prospect. Um, Sharks versus Saracens on an annually basis, I think it can be massive. One year there, one year here. I think people will rock up in their thousands to watch a game like that, especially if it becomes known as some sort of derby between the two, mm. you know, north versus south. That's excitement. It is, it is what it is. I mean, that's that that's just makes our hearts jump that much more high as as rugby people. Um, I definitely can't wait for. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be massive, especially the best. Hopefully, it's going to be the best possible Sharks to play against the best possible Saracen side. Yeah, what's also interesting about that is that there's many box in the in the Saracen yeah. side. So I think they, I, I won't say Neagle, but um, I think there will be quite a bit of rivalry in there and trying to get one over the other. I think, um, especially over the Lokotoye. <laughs> uh, after this weekend, I think there's a couple of South African guys that want to get their hands on him. Yeah, um, but at the end of the day, yeah, um, I think it can grow into a massive thing. I hope Edward, Edward Kutia and them actually take this um, initiative and, and build a lot on it. Yeah. Just in closing, just some of the players that would be featuring in that game. You're looking at Billy Vunipola, Jamie George, Mauro Toje, Owen Farrell, Vincent Koch, um, and then South African side, Oxen Che, Thomas Detoy, Bongi Nunambi. Sia Kulisi, Lukanyo Am, Makazolim Pimpi, Pelele Fasi, and Sabun Korsi. So, I mean, it's international flair all around. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be fantastic. I mean, after what Saracens had to go through now the past couple of years with everything that happened with them, um, building up to where they're back now, it's fantastic to see it. And especially with the players' commitment for not leaving the club after all of that. I mean, some left, but not all of them, not all the big stars. Yeah. And um, I do also understand for those who left. I do understand it. I do grasp the aspect. But it's fantastic that those who stayed committed to the club through the hardship showed their dedication to that club. And now the club is back. They're almost back to where they were. Yeah. And the Sharks and this, I, I love it. I think it's going to be brilliant. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, thanks, Vernon. Um, just to, to our franchises, uh, Sean Everett, from a, from a Sharks perspective, we obviously in the Sharks, Sharks country, so we wish you guys well for Saturday. From Touchline, we'll support you, and hopefully we can have a chat with you again um, in the near future or some of the other coaching staff, but we definitely back the Sharks, the Bulls, the Stormers, and the Lions for this weekend. Vernon, thank you for, for joining us in studio. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure having you here. From myself, Mark Cameron and Vernon Lombard, have a blessed rugby week.